Get in here. Dallas is about to start. So welcome yep. to a special edition of the Ewing Barbecue Podcast. Uh, I'm Josh. Mary, Sarah, and Melanie could not be with us uh, for this edition. We're doing a a new pilot thing called After the Barbecue, where we have different Dallas cast members on talking about current projects and things they're working on. And we are lucky today to be joined by Omri Katz, who everybody remembers as John Ross Ewing. And uh, the third, Omri, you've, <laughs> you've taken a different, um, different path. Uh, you kind of moved out of the industry, although you do do the uh, fan appearances now. Yeah. And uh, actually you have a couple coming up in the, early 2023 that you, you might want to just mention those real quickly for sure um uh i've got a few different ones coming up and just off the top of my head remembering uh in january i have uh it's called the house of mouse expo which is mm-hmm. in uh Kissimmee, florida which i think is outside of orlando and then yeah, right that, near disney huh yeah yeah right that actually might be fun because there's going to be a bunch of Hocus Pocus cast members there. So we might actually do a day trip to uh, Disney World and just go adventure and see if we can uh, stoke some uh, some fans there. <laughs> and I believe the witch from Salem, that naughty witch that you saw at the uh, oh, comic yeah. book store, she yeah, is yeah. going to be down there as well for that. Yes, so I saw that. She's been that. promoting that. So. And then we got... Pensacon in Florida. Um, oh. I'm sorry, in Florida in February, also in Florida, and uh, which is in Pensacola. We've got 90s Con in Connecticut in March, and that's the one where I think myself and the other people from the podcast are going to be coming down for the weekend to. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a really great event. We did it last year and had such an amazing time. So I really hope. Uh, I yeah, really I was there. We hadn't we hadn't actually seen each other since 2008. Uh, before that, was that when so we it, did, is that when that reunion thing uh, happened here in LA? Was that 2008? Yes, 2008, Columbus. Oh my weekend. God, time flies. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. you've moved off into an interesting industry uh, for your profession now. You want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, my uh, my love for well, let's just say I'm in the cannabis industry now, and um, mm-hmm. my love for the plant has uh, led me to uh, where I am today. And uh, I've been cultivating for 20 years. Um, no matter what the legality was, it was just a passion and something that I was driven to do. Maybe a calling, you can call it. And uh, here we are today in the more um, less stigmatized legal um, environment. And um, yeah, the opportunity struck itself with the right partners and the right um, the right timing. We are working on, well, we're building out a big uh, cultivation facility, big. I mean, big, not big, it is big, but it's not big to today's industry standards. But uh, I like for you, right? (laughs) It's definitely a step up for me. Um, And actually, it's great because the 
the industry is really wonky right now. There's a lot of people that are uh, dipping out of the industries. A lot of people that are having to shut their doors, given taxation, given the prices, given everything. It's really hard to conduct business. So, and that's not scaring you away at all. Definitely, <laughs> I have some definite fears, but uh, we are not overkilling. We're not uh, biting off more than we could chew, and I feel like. Um, I feel like we have a shot. I mean, we know what we're doing, but a mm -hmm. lot of uh, branding and uh, marketing is more new to us since we come from the underground. And mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be a whole nother learning curve. But uh, I feel confident that my team and the people, all my partners, that everybody's involved, we really have a solid thing going. So, um, yeah, I, I'm how, feeling optimistic. How, uh, how many are in the business? Uh, I mean, obviously we have employees, but typically it's just, uh, or uh, in terms of partnership, it's uh, me and three other partners. And um, yeah, yeah, we all have a lot of experience in this industry, at least 20 years plus. So, um, but it's evolving and constantly uh, shifting. And so we have to kind of stay on top and, and, you know, kind of try to predict some things, but that's really difficult. But uh, yeah, again, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel and, um, right. Yeah, I'm really hoping that we get there. Now, how did you, going way back, do you, obviously, you started, uh, I believe, in the one interview, they said that you were, uh, you were high a lot during filming of Hocus Pocus. So, <laughs> do you remember, do you remember when you, when you first started, was it, uh, was it peer pressure? Was it like some form of rebellion or just like, hey, what's, What's this? Let's let's pick this up and give it a try and see what it is. Um, I don't know if I, you know, maybe some slight form of rebellion. I was about 14 and uh, my brother and my sister were already, uh, you know, partying and mm -hmm. having fun. They're older than me. And uh, yeah. of course, I was like, I want to participate. I want to, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, uh, my dad always had the clamps on me. Obviously he was, uh, not that kind of person. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, he just, I think wanted to protect me given, you know, the fact that I was in the industry and wanted to protect my future if that was the avenue I was going to take. So I think the former rebellion was kind of like, well, my brother and sister do it and screw you, dad. I want to, <laughs> I want, you know? And, um, so I finally tried it, and uh, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life. I just had such a, I had a good experience. I, I'm not promoting saying like everybody should smoke weed, and it's you know the whole world should. But for me, right. it worked out great, and uh, it's weird, but like I knew right then and there that I was going to have a long term relationship with uh, this medicine that uh you know the earth has provided us with and uh yeah here we are god 30 right. plus years later <laughs> yeah and i i did meet your father back in 2008 really nice guy yeah i can, yeah, I can see how he obviously did a good job protecting you in the industry or at least so you at least turned out uh turned out somewhat normal by today's standards as they say um well, well, we're all we're, we're all a little, yeah, level-headed is, is a good word for that. But um, yeah. My schizophrenia hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, there's a, um, 
do you find we've you know people think oh pot there's a stoner culture out there do you think we're we've moved away from that over time or is there still that stigma of it being a stoner culture that oh, the, stig the stigma is still uh alive and well um the only difference i kind of see now is that given the fact that there's more accessibility and as an alternative especially for people that are dealing with uh you know really hard hard uh ailments um i think people that have now been affected by it so like given um if you had a family member that had cancer or chemo or something of that nature and you saw the benefits you know that it provided them that might give you a little bit of a different uh uh take on how beneficial this plant can actually be sure you've got people that are recreational and want to just have fun and laugh or maybe it enhances your creativity which also in my opinion um has that's a medicinal benefit because we forget that mm -hmm. the brain is an organ and also needs to function in its own way um, i've seen it help it helps me a lot with anxiety um you know just like any human being i i, I have some anxiety and uh, stress and um who doesn't just, in this day and age <laughs> exactly crazy, crazy world so um that being said um yeah i i definitely feel that uh there's less stigma, but it's still there. And the stoner culture will always be alive because it's just too funny to just kind of move away from that completely. So, um, right. And I, I just recently was watching an episode of, uh, the Roseanne spinoff, the Connors and John Goodman's character had a, uh, back and shoulder issue. And so he ended up doing the, uh, the pot and he ended up taking too much of it. And he, he just couldn't move and he was just uh, an over exaggeration of some of the effects of the whole thing and uh so there's obviously that out there and there are obviously different ways of consuming there's smoking and there's other methods uh, as a grower are you gonna go into and open up are you doing a distribution like a shop or is it just going to be a growing and then you brand this distribute it to other places uh yeah just like um i mean there's there's a few different avenues but uh lucky for me that one of my partners has retail um mm -hmm. we also uh we do have distribution and manufacturing so we have a lot of different avenues to create a lot of fun different products um and um yeah yeah i mean you know at the end of the day more than anything, we're extremely passionate about the product. So I'm not trying to just polish turds and sell it. Um, I want. <laughs> I got to remember that one. <laughs> polish turds. I want the product to really speak for itself. You know, um, one of our uh, slogans is, you know, no gimmicks, just dank. And, uh, you know, the dank is meaning like, you know, some dank, funky, stinky, sticky, good, green awesomeness. Um, and we're not trying to sell a bunch of like, you know, cartoons and art. Not selling a bunch of hocus pocus. <laughs> no, no, but that's a, you know, that's an idea for a brand is, uh, the hocus tocus. Um, hocus tocus. Okay. And hocus smokus, uh, hocus smokus, hocus tocus, yeah. maybe, uh, 
Max Dennison's uh, finest. Maybe we'll do a, a Dallas thing. Uh, you know, Ewing. If we make some uh, cannabis oil, we'll just call it Ewing Oil. <laughs> oh, oh, that would that would be good. Um, you could get yeah. some to Patrick Duffy's out in Colorado doing uh, Duffy's Dough, his sourdough bread company, right now. Oh um, wow! Actually, I would love to get in touch with him. Um, I love. I, I can put you in touch with him. I could also through Josh. Um, uh, That's true. Different Josh. Yeah. Josh Harris. There's too many of them. Yeah. Josh Harris. And then there's also Josh Henderson who replaced you on oh. uh, in the new series. But um, the you were actually in Salem and you went to uh, the Seagrass uh, sent, uh, shop yep. up there and you spoke. Um, is there any chance of you reaching a range? I know Massachusetts is a legal state now. Is there any chance of you reaching a distribution cross state lines with other distributors? Have you talked about something like that with people? You know, maybe somewhere in the future, um, currently, uh, federally, uh, cannabis is still schedule one and illegal. So, mm -hmm. uh, shipping or taking anything, uh, you know, direct to consumer, any type of situation like that is still off the books. Um, until, you know, some legislation is written and it's decriminalized and taken off that. Um, but, uh, you know, what a lot of other um, operators are doing is just uh, multi-state operations. So I could actually either partner up with a cultivator out there, so long as quality control is, uh, you know, kept in check right. and, mm -hmm. you know, use my brand name. Um, or I could, uh, you know, uh, open a facility out there and actually cultivate, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, train a right team to actually do, uh, do it right. Um, there's that option, but, uh, you know, I mean, the world is an oyster and, uh, there's, um, plenty of, uh, opportunities I think that we could do, but currently I just obviously want to focus on California and uh, hopefully build some kind of reputation to where those opportunities kind of arise themselves. Um, but like I said, yeah, it's just as, as long as uh, it's illegal nationally, it's going to make it really uh, difficult to do a lot of things. It's right, that's, yeah, that's the red red tape. So, what, what, so what's your message to the uh, the government and the legal maker lawmakers out there? Uh, if you have a message to them about get it legal or what, what uh, decriminalize? Do you know how many people are still sitting in prison over cannabis consumption, not even distribution or selling it, but just, you know, people serving 15, 20 years for smoking a joint. Like, isn't that just ridiculous in this day and age? Yeah, I know you're yeah. shaking your head and shrugging. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. So first thing and foremost, decriminalize it nationally, a hundred percent. Secondly, if you take it off the schedule one, it's, uh, first of all, going to benefit economically because, you know, studies show that almost 50% of the United States consumes cannabis um, legally or illegally. So economically, it makes a lot of sense. Also, we, we can't even do banking given FDIC restrictions. Um, a lot of banks won't do business with cannabis companies. So we're working in cash, making it tons more dangerous, way more vulnerable. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid, but, you know, 
this is all speculation or um, you can call this a conspiracy, but, um, you know, a lot of these politicians have their pockets filled with, um, you know, deep pockets with pharmaceutical companies, uh, tobacco companies, um, all kinds of different companies are, you know, trying to keep it illegal so they can push their toxic chemicals on us. And um, it's just sad. It's really sad. You know, a lot of things aren't done for the, you know, for the benefit of the population. So probably slowing down cures for cancer and other diseases, <clears throat> too, because they probably just like the pharmaceutical industry would lose money on constant treatments and stuff like that. If if someone gets cured for cancer, then they don't need the medicine anymore and they're they're done and that's it. And then yeah, that's it, money it, out it, of their business. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, capitalism has its uh, positive uh, mm-hmm. positiveness, but uh, at the same time, um, anything that's just monetarily driven, uh, you know, um, draws greedy um, people that just want to accumulate uh, capital and not really benefit humanity, unfortunately. And so, so long as we have that in order, um, you're always going to have the rich and powerful uh, trying to keep the, um, you know, the, the uh, common man down on his luck. So, <laughs> yeah. Now you talked to, you talked about uh, cultivating all how, how, what was the pro- process for you in learning how to cultivate? Cause obviously there are different strains and there are different, you know, there's obviously you have TH breaking down the, the plant, uh, the cannabis plant, there's the THC, there's the CBD and just talk, talk a moment about the differences between the two and just cultivating and how you learned it and what, what it's been like for you and just uh, for other people that you might, bring into the fold uh well let's start off with uh how i got started um obviously it's always uh, a good place to start <laughs> place to start um obviously i uh told you that i was always very passionate about not just the plant but cannabis and uh never you know even as a kid let's say you know age 15 16 i was already experimenting with growing uh you know just testing out plants outdoors seeing what I could do and, uh, you know, uh, more kind of standard cultivation techniques obviously weren't formed. Everybody was mm-hmm. underground. It was extremely illegal and dangerous, um, to that degree. Um, but, uh, the first time, um, I found out that a friend was cultivating. Um, he showed me his indoor garage at his house where he had like four lights set up. Foil. Foil ceiling, foil around and all that stuff? Yeah, just uh, some sort of reflection. I think it was all white, you know, uh, semi-gloss or glossy paint just to kind of create a good reflection. Nobody knew techniques really back then. We were, everybody was experimenting, but even the lights were, uh, sorry, were you going to say something? No, I was going to mention that I were working, I was working in local access television. I went to one of our studios uh, in another town. And they had a drop ceiling and they had, they were growing plants in the drop ceiling. <laughs> they had little lights and little, uh, little, little foil things. And it was just yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. You, you, okay. you're creating an environment. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's like, it's really scientific. It's really experimental. It's really fun. 
honestly. And the first time I walked into his room, I, I literally felt like I was walking onto some alien spacecraft. I was like, <laughs> look at these lights and these plants thriving and, you know, all kinds of different fans and air circulation and controls. And, um, you know, you're trying to mimic the outdoors, but at the same time trying to manipulate and achieve uh, better results or different results. And um, the moment I saw that, I was like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And so I, uh, at the time, was broke as could be and couldn't, uh, didn't have the funds. You know, I burned through all my acting money at that time. And um, uh, I... Uh, that, that that Ewing Oil bankroll did not uh, go far, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I sure wish I was a real Ewing member with, like, oil money. God, life would be different. But to be honest, you know, um, um, what's the uh, saying? You know, if, not if, but like uh, falling down on my luck and like going through those life experiences has shaped me to who I am today. So like, you know, like leaving the industry and um, going broke and having to like, um, reinvent myself or, you know, um, find myself, uh, was a great learning lesson in life. And, uh, I'm actually, sometimes you got to fall down before you can get up, you know, and, and you learn a lot from it. Some of the people you knew in the industry obviously did not make that transition tragically. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird transition. It's, it's, uh, psychologically, this industry could do a lot of, um, damage to oneself, unfortunately. And, uh, I don't know. Jonathan Brandis comes to mind when, when you mentioned that, hundred percent. You know, I I mean, Mm. you know, I don't know what kind of psychological issues he was dealing with, but definitely when you're transitioning from being a child actor to an adult actor, and then, you know, half of it is, uh, um, talent and the other half is a bunch of other bull crap. You don't look right or you don't fit the part or something, some, some stupid nuance that doesn't uh, work for you, then, uh, you know, I could see it can, it can definitely shatter your ego and self-esteem. And, you know, some people take it, whether it's like drug abuse or suicide or something like that. Um, yeah. There's been a few people that have definitely um, not made it through. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of grasped that early on. I just, uh, I don't know, like, I also started experimenting with psychedelics back then and that kind of opened my eyes up to like, there's other things in the world. There's other experiences. There's so much other things I can just do and go, uh, experience that, uh, that I decided to do that. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so back to what we were saying, you know, uh, I borrowed a little bit of money from a close friend and I got my first set up uh, with, uh, my brother <laughs> and we set up his garage and we started growing and, uh, we were doing pretty good, you know? And, uh, I just, I've never looked back since. Like, I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is, um, this is what I want to do, you know? And I, I did some other things in between as well as a cover, but, uh, but always my, right. you took, you took, you took some other jobs, uh, just to, yeah, I went to cosmetology school. I became a hairdresser. 
Um, and at the same time started growing like right all at the same time. And, uh, at some point I kind of started to so see. If I, so if I do need a good, good cut, I can come out there and, uh, <laughs> I should maybe still hook it up. I can't guarantee anything. I'm a little rusty, but like right, I, I, I cut my, uh, I cut my dad's hair and I cut my, uh, my girl's son's hair. And, uh, so far, I haven't messed up too bad, so uh, I, I guess I still got when it. You cut your own hair, and everyone's done that when they were little. They take the scissors, and they make that stupid cut, and then you, and you, have, to, you have to go into school with the mark of shame. Like, oh, yeah, he was playing with the scissors last night. Okay. <laughs> For sure. So, so obviously, there's a, a learning curve involved in the growing and everything like that. So when you Never look for ends. people to never ends honestly like people use that term uh, master cultivator there's no such thing it's like it's a never-ending learning curve and there's always, always new, new strains coming out yeah new strains new techniques new technology uh new science there's um it, it just it never ends you know we're always trying to outdo our last batch constantly yeah um you can never right. be satisfied and say oh that's it this is the limit it's like no i i can do better I can make it better. I can yield more. I can improve on this and that. And you have to kind of experiment at some point. It's like, because, that's uh, the same in acting, performing, or any business. If you reach your peak, then what is there left to do? Yeah, yeah. And another thing is, is you're dealing with a living organism. So it's not, uh, it's not like um, systematic where you can just be like, you know, it, it's not like a CNC machine or something where it's just like, okay, this is the form, this is the done, uh, this is the program, this is how you automate it. It's just like you have to physically be there to really um, see what's happening in real time. And also, um, you know, I feel like living organisms really uh, connect energy-wise uh, on this planet. So, um Feel like that human connection to plants and living things uh, transfer some kind of uh, um, energetic um, connection to allow uh, you know to 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 allow these right. plants to thrive, to allow you to thrive. Everything because um, we're only temporary. If Mother Nature doesn't want us, Mother Nature is going to shrug us off and move on to the next. Uh... Just like dinosaurs, I mean, those big things, and then they got wiped out. Hundred percent. Um, we, we totally, uh, <laughs> we totally think we're the center of the universe. It's like no, like even if we missed, well, not even since we're mistreating the uh, planet uh, on such great scale, at some point, Mother Earth's just going to hit the flush button and say, you know what, I'm done <laughs> with you guys, and uh, I'll be here, but you guys won't, or maybe just a few. Right might survive so um yeah don't take life for granted enjoy it and that's like george carlin says uh or he used to say because he's not living yes. anymore but um he would say earthquakes and floods and tornadoes and all this and stuff and humans have the audacity to think if you you know things are going to screw up mother nature the earth isn't going anywhere you are you are, <laughs> you are. god he was so, so he's so relevant to today oh know? he would have a he would have a blast today with it's like all his on. all his clips still keep like you know revolving around the uh the um ether or the ethos and um and you it's just like anything so exactly. relevant to, it just yeah yeah it's uh um it's it's amazing he's exactly brilliant. he was brilliant by the way speaking of just off topic really quick 
there was a documentary um, about him, a two-part documentary that just uh-huh. came out like uh, three, four months ago. And uh, if you get a chance, watch it. It's extremely inspiring. Do you know the name or do you want to text that to me later? Uh, I can text it to you later. I think it was on okay. HBO. So if you do George okay. Carlin HBO documentary, I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, okay. I just okay. don't remember Excellent. the title off offhand. Right. So. Where do you see the industry going in the next year, two years, five years down the road? Where And where do you see you guys falling into that? Um, that's really hard to predict. There's a lot of, uh, speculation and guessing I hear within our community, um, about what's going to happen. A lot of people feel like big conglomerates, like, uh, um, we'll just kind of buy out the little guy and just try to take over it. Kind of like a Budweiser type of thing, unless they Mm -hmm. set some kind of standards, allowing them like setting a cap for how much conglomerates can own. Um, I always feel like, you know, again, it's it's just it's new. So we have this consumer base that is like it's unexperienced and unknowledgeable. And I feel like just like anything, when you find a product that you like and you compare it to other products you've had in the past, you might say to yourself like, oh, wow, I, I had a much better experience buying from this brand than I did that brand. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a strain thing. It's just like the quality, you know, the Mm -hmm. quality and something about us is, you know, we do a lot of breeding and experimenting. So we have a lot of unique, different things that we bring to the table. I mean, all said and done, it's like microbrewery, you know, like you find a, a beer that you like and you're just like, Oh man, that's got hints of, you know, peach and apple or whatever. Um, that I really like and that tastes so throw good. Some mango, throw, throw some mango in there and I'll be all over that. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. There are strains that are like, uh, they're called, you know, they have fruity names, but they have, uh, you know, these are terpenes and terpenes are basically uh, volatile gases that produce all the smells and tastes that you uh, experience in all kinds of different floral and uh, uh, food consumption things that, um uh, yeah, yeah, I think we bring something kind of different uh, to the table. I, I feel like there's room for all of us in the community. Um, it also depends what your uh, what your driver is. So for me, it's never been a monetary thing. I, I'm passionate about what I do, and I think uh, our team is all kind of in the same boat. And, uh, you know, if I was just even scraping by, not hemorrhaging, I would be stoked because I just want to be in that garden working. Um, the garden is, is, uh, that's my Zen zone. So <laughs> do what you love. They say, yeah, cause you only, you only, unless you believe in the afterlife Buddhism and all that stuff, you only live once. So, uh, yeah. You know, or, you know, whether it's reincarnation or you travel into, um, you know, a different dimension or whatever, nobody knows that's the unknown. And, uh, I'm just kind of living for the now and the present and just, yeah, again, I'd rather do something that I love and be broke than be rich and, uh, hate in life. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, not, not to, um, um, not to frown upon it. You know, everybody has their own, uh, driver in life and that's great. Let people do what they want. Um, 
people and anything. But, uh, for me personally, it's just like, I just, I need to be doing something that, uh, has fulfillment and, uh, I kind of feel like money will come. It, it'll just come with it. If I'm truly passionate and driven doing something. What's that that expression? Do what you love and the money will come. It's really sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. And if it doesn't come, oh, well, at least I'd, I'd rather die knowing I tried, um, and doing something I love than, um, than not trying at all. Right. And uh, got to give, give a, a shout-out to the name of the company there. And I did put the bumper sticker on a coffee mug there. Sweet. There you so, go. We are the Mary. How did you come up with the name? Mary Danksters. You know, again, back to what we were saying before, like uh, the stoner culture is just all uh, look at Cheech and Chong look at like all these everything is like comedy you know stoners are funny people we think of funny quirky uh mm-hmm. you know uh uh non-normal things and uh you know me being into um uh all kinds of different things from uh the past you know it's kind of a play on uh the merry pranksters which were oh. a '60s movement that, mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, spiking the punch with LSD and getting a bunch of different people high and trying to conform society <laughs> to be a little some more. Days I could, some days I could use some of that punch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some days I can too, man. Um, I've uh, I've experimented with some of that punch, and uh, it definitely has opened my third eye and made me gave me perspective. On different things. So, yeah. So, given the Merry Pranksters and being a fan of uh, Ken Kesey and that whole movement, um, just one day I was just, like, thinking of, like, different names because, you know, legalization was right around the corner. And it was like, oh, we need to think of a brand name and, you know, something. I'm like, what kind of – what are we? I mean, you know, we use the term dank a lot in the cannabis industry to talk about, like, that super fire, stinky, awesome, great uh, weed and uh sounds very close to prank dang prank and then yeah and then mary mary jane um mary danksters it just kind of came and i i hit up a couple of my partners and i was like dude what do you guys think of this name and they were like that's brilliant man and so uh brilliant uh they loved it you know Uh, i we were probably smoking a joint and just laughing having a good time and that last dance with mary jane as tom petty would say there right Mm. Or uh, Rick James in love with Mary Jane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry for my uh, awesome voice. <laughs> my you have a singing career coming up next too. No. Did you say singing career? Yeah. 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 You totally. Gotta... Totally. You can catch me at uh, the local karaoke bar, uh, driving the crowd away. <laughs> oh, okay. Excellent. So uh, obviously, if the the government should want to legalize all this stuff because the money they can make in taxation. Unfortunately, it, 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 yes, because we're already enough, being, enough said there. Yeah. We're being way overtaxed, but yeah. again, you know, it's like, um, there's gotta be a fine balance because I get it. The taxation I I'm all for tax dollars going to improve, um, you know, society and, uh, infrastructure and education and, everything that benefits us. But at the same time, if you overtax things, it's going to be unaffordable to conduct business. So well, that's true. You know, too. there's got to be some incentive there for people to 
make money to pay the taxes. And if you overtax us, then we can't survive as a business. So there's those tax dollars are gone. So and that and that's that's what people don't think about. They just go, oh, legalize that, legalize mushrooms, legalize prostitution, blah blah blah, and all that stuff. And but if there's a middle ground where they can the right taxing, then it would be an incentive to have all that for the at least for the government to have that money to do improve things. I mean, if you regulate uh, all these different things that you were talking about, um, it's going to take the illicit aspect away, uh, not leaving as much room for uh, bad players, you know, um, whether it's human traffickers or, uh, you know, big narcos or whoever. I mean, even a perfect example is the weed industry. Ever since it pretty much went legal, um, most of the cannabis consumed is domestic now when it used to come from, uh, you know, Mexico and stuff because yeah. people out here were just not producing it. It was too scary. And, uh, you know, they've moved on to scarier, nastier drugs, you know, bringing in fentanyl and uh, methamphetamines and all that from, um, you know, to uh, poison our population. Uh, because obviously there's a demand for it, so they're you know shipping it over here. But weed from Mexico is uh, a down by astronomical amounts, and so right. that just goes to show um, where that can go if you regulate it and allow people to uh, just bring it domestically. It'll it'll solve some problems. And we we got the we got the shops all over here in Massachusetts. I go in, I get the gummies, use them for sleep, and it's just. You know, it's accessible and stuff like that. Yeah, so where, and where can and there's safety measures put in place? So the product you're getting, at least here in California, goes through like insane testing, um, insane testing to allow people know that they're getting a safe product versus you know, like I got it from the homie down the street. Which, not to say that that's not safe, but you don't know. <laughs> Uh, what, uh, how those plants were grown necessarily, you know, I know people in the industry from the past that to save a crop would spray it with like toxic, nasty chemicals just to protect their crop. And then you're digesting that and you had no idea. So if it doesn't pass testing, that's one of the things about legalization that I'm really actually stoked about is that people are actually getting safe product. Um, first and foremost, you shouldn't be, it's like, you know, food, you don't want to digest nasty food necessarily, even though there's no regulations there and our food is constantly poisoned and there's no regulation. It's like, okay, you guys can produce this nasty ass food and, uh, we can sell it with no, uh, with no liability until you end up in the hospital dying of whatever ailment because that food gastrointestinal rot or something like that. Yeah, I mean, if you could look at a bag of, uh, you know, uh, some product and not be able to read the ingredients because it's like some scientific chemical uh, name, you're like, should I even really be eating this? But it's okay. It's FDA. FDA allows it. So it must be safe. It's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Sure. That's that's a whole different can of worms we could talk about for hours uh, on that. But um, so where... Where can people find your the Mary Danksters on social media, websites, that sort of thing, just so they can follow? And uh... 
Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's the Mary. We, we can post. We can post this up. Uh, we can post this up in our show notes too later. Uh, as yeah, well. I'm not really familiar with um, this application, so I don't know how to like add some. But you could do it later if you want. Um, but it's basically yeah. at the Mary Danksters. And, uh, you know, if you post it up, uh, they'll see the spelling. Um, that's our Instagram. Uh, we don't really, we're not really on Facebook, but it's kind of tied together. So if you look it up on Facebook, we have a page. Um, we're not extremely active because we're obviously building. Um, most of the stuff we post is just kind of research and development and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously me, um, I'm Dankster Oms. Uh, on yep. on Instagram, um, which uh, sometimes I'll post things from the Merry Danksters or vice versa, um, you know. And uh, right, I, yeah, I, I did see the uh, the quick little video tour of the uh, construction going on a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, was- oh yeah, and God, man, my team is just crushing it in there, uh, and I, I'm very hands on, so I've been doing a lot of building too. Um, Right, and when you've when you've been going, uh, I'm just going to wrap up momentarily. But when you've been going to these conventions and you have to leave town, there's obviously stuff that you need to do to prepare for when you're away, so that stuff gets done. And like you said, the crops don't grow themselves. Uh, so, what what's involved in getting ready to leave town, and then? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's a great question. Um, yeah, uh, a lot is actually involved because um, you know I have um, you know, like I said, we're I, I'm doing a lot of research and development right now since we're uh, we're not uh, up and running uh, currently. Mm-hmm. So most of my stuff is just uh, you know looking for new strains, new genetics, also storing my old genetics and new genetics. So I have you know. Um, I have a little nursery that, uh, you know, just a little private nursery where I store all my stuff and I got to make sure everything is fed. And, um, you know, I try to automate as much as possible, but um, even with automation, everything's on its own cycle. So it can get a little complex and um, a little tedious and annoying, but uh, I manage to do it. That's why I typically can't really leave for more than two or three days. Um, worst case scenario, one of my partners can always handle stuff. Um, but they obviously have their own things going on as well. And then, um, yeah, so what it entails is just basically prepping everything and sometimes just hoping for the best that nothing fails. There's nothing like losing precious genetics. Um, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, some of these genetics in my library are, you know, I've had for 20 years. Um, wow. 20 years. Uh, Yeah. I've been growing for 20 years. So like, uh, the strain that was the hot ticket back then, um, I still have that cut. Um, that's like, um, Patrick Duffy with his sourdough starter, the yeast. Uh, Oh my God. There it is. Duffy's dough right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have to be, it's a living culture. You have to constantly, it has to be, um, tended to. You can't just set it and forget it. It's really hard to. And, you know, gratefully, we have now so much like um, um, automation and technology that I can actually remotely 
do some work, like access and turn things on and off and uh, uh, um, adjust settings if necessary. And um, I can always, I have data, so I can see if things are functioning properly. And if something doesn't look right, I can always tell one of my partners like, hey, um, I need you to like drop everything and just go check on something for me really quick. Uh, it's nice again, having a team to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah and this is my second yeah. family. So. Yeah, and as as I was quickly mentioning with uh, Duffy's dough, the the starter that he has was was given to his mother back in 1952 from Alaskan gold miners when they moved to Alaska, and it is still in the family 52 so 70 years later, and that's what he's selling as his, with his company. That's amazing. So I would love to, I'd love to catch up with him. We saw him when we did that thing here in LA uh, back in 2008. He was, he was there, right? He wasn't there. He, he, he could wasn't. not make it. He was filming something that weekend. Definitely but, no Charlene uh, and Linda and Larry were there. Deborah oh, Renard man. was there. Who? Deb Renard, who played Sly. Oh, that's right. That's right. And Christopher Atkins was there as well. Atkins. That was the first time I'd seen him since I was like six or seven years old. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah. That was cool. So any final messages you want to just send out about life, what you're doing, and how fans can just follow you or stuff no, like um, that? Be kind to one another. Have respect for one another. Have respect for this planet. That's first and foremost. You know, we're all in this together. So um, we're not alone, even though we might feel isolated and nobody gives a crap about us. Um, at the end of the day, nothing functions unless we're all united and everything's in balance. Um, and uh, honestly, I'm not huge on social media. I'm not trying to... Um, be in the spotlight. So if you want to follow me, great. If not, great. Um, I don't do too much posting and stuff like that. It's kind of weird, you know, right. our generation, you know, we're a little more old school, like just for me personally, maybe <laughs> I already had my 15 minutes of fame, so I'm not seeking it out much. Um, right. I use it a lot more to just promote uh, things that I'm doing. Um, Obviously, the cannabis industry is my lifeblood and my passion. So um, I appreciate any follows or support. And I'm hoping to be on the shelves soon. So if you're ever in California and you see our brand on the shelf. Um, and you're in downtown LA, right? Uh, our our, uh, our facility is in downtown or just okay. outside of downtown, but really close. Um, and then... Um, um, some of our locations are kind of scattered through and uh, I don't know, you know, I, I haven't really um, opened those doors yet. First thing, first and foremost, uh, we got to have product. So it's kind of hard to and say any, what stores. If anyone be. out there. Yeah. And if anyone out there wants uh get the bumper stickers, if you see them at the uh, conventions and you got some pretty funky t-shirts too, you should uh, put the, post those up too. If people want to jump on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you go to the marydanksters.com, we have our merch store. Um, it's nice. also, we're not pushing, you know, a bunch of gimmicks and clothes. It's just a way to represent and, uh, you know, to represent our brand. If anybody wants to support us, it helps us. 
because uh, this venture of cultivation is extremely costly. And uh, right. any love or support helps us get to the finish line. So we would appreciate it more than anything. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's cool where, you know, we're constantly working on new designs. But uh, I don't know if you saw my last post on the Merry Danksters, but uh, um, probably uh, it's just basically it's a take on the Los Angeles Lakers. Hopefully I don't get that was right. Yes, I'll, I'll get a cease yeah, and desist. And if you get a cease and desist, that means you made it. So um <laughs> exactly exactly so, and, hey, and I know, hey uh if you're following please repost my post that would be great <laughs> <laughs> and i know fans just love knowing what's going on with people from the show now and just uh it's like the dallas family they just want to support and uh support the people and their current projects and stuff like that and turn up at the conventions and everything like that. So uh, this has been uh, a great special edition of the Ewing Barbecue Podcast. We're going to call this series After the Barbecue. Uh, <laughs> you can look for us on our social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and we'll be back uh, coming up in 2023. is the 45th anniversary of Dallas, and we're looking to get uh, – a lot of interesting surprises and guest stars on and possibly do a live uh, podcast down at South Fork at some point and um, probably have Omri back on at some point and he'll talk about his Dallas days and life in the industry from that perspective and you can tell us what la what Larry was really like on set. Did, did Larry toke? Uh, no. <laughs> um but no, uh, my, yeah, I think he used to sip on uh, Grandpa's cough syrup uh, quite a lot. <laughs> it's just rumor and speculative, so I don't want to uh, jump the gun and put something out there. But uh, Ex exactly, exactly, I can but, say uh, one one thing is that it was a very joyous, great time on set. Um, unless you were smoking cigarettes, then Larry would uh, lose his shit um, because. <laughs> He was very anti-smoking uh, cigarettes. Not, I don't know yeah. about cannabis, but cigarettes, he was extremely anti. But uh, I got to say, um, yeah, I have nothing but uh, great memories from uh, what I remember from those days because I was such an adolescent. That, and uh, ho hopefully we'll hear more, more of those stories at some point and we'll – yeah, we've got some surprises coming up in 2023 uh, for the 45th anniversary, and hopefully we'll stick around and see what's going on. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Uh, Y'all come back now, you hear? Y'all come back now, you hear? Yeah, I'd love to do it again anytime, Josh.